By the late 1960s, Sonny Barger is the highly visible face of the Hells Angels, a muscular, rough-hewn guy with a sun-scorched face and long, unwashed hair. He's the leather-clad, Harley-straddling king of the one-percenters. He's also the president of the notorious Oakland chapter of the Outlaw Bike Club. The dark, criminal vibe of the group is downright sexy to the hip contingent of the day. It's a brand of chic that lands the outlaws in the film Hell's Angels 69. Hell's Angels, the real Hell's Angels, riding today. Guys with guts who want to travel their way. Rough. Raucous. Really tough. With their own code of law and order. The plot is laughable. The angels help two rich kids rob the Caesars Palace Casino in Vegas. And it all sickens Harley President William Davidson in Milwaukee. No matter what he does, Harley just can't shake its association with the outlaw crowd that worship their bikes. If they only knew the truth. A reporter meets with Barger in an Oakland saloon. So, Mr. Barger, why do the angels ride Harleys? We had no choice. We always ride American-made machines, and Harley's the only one left. It's true. Barger co-founded the Oakland chapter in 1957, and Harley's only U.S. competition, Indian, went under in 53. Let me tell you, in terms of workmanship, I don't even like Harleys. They leak oil, even brand new ones. Dealers had to put cardboard under them in the showroom. I ride them because I'm in the club, and that's the image. So you'd ride another brand? Damn right. And I'm sure Harley would love that. If I could, I'd seriously consider a Honda or a BMW. We really missed the boat not switching to Japanese models when they began building bigger bikes. The president of the Hells Angels on a Japanese or European bike? Barger on something other than a hog? It's shocking. Barger takes a drag from his cigarette and continues. It's about Harley's sound. We love the rumble. And Harley has brute horsepower. You can hook up a rope to a Harley and pull a Mack truck. Most Harley riders don't care about high speed. They want that low-end torque that gurgles down in your groin and gives you a feeling of power. So, what's the future with the Angels and Harley? Right now, the Hell's Angels are stuck with Harleys. Or maybe we're stuck with each other. Someday we'll be smart enough to walk away. That would be a dream come true for the Harley Brass in Milwaukee. But it's not going to happen. In fact, thanks to Hollywood, the Japanese bike infiltration, and internal struggles, it's going to get worse. The coming years will be the most difficult decade in Harley-Davidson history. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. 
It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In the last episode, Honda took over the American motorcycle market. Harley sold out to AMF, and writer Hunter Thompson cemented Harley as the outlaw's choice with his book introducing the world to the Hells Angels. You are listening to our six-part series, Harley and the Biker Wars. This is episode five, The Freedom Machine. 1969 is a pivotal year for Harley-Davidson motorcycle visibility. The bikes made by the least hip people imaginable are about to enter a truly rarefied realm of iconic pop culture. Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild opens the film Easy Rider and sets the stage for the story. Two freewheeling young counterculture dudes make some cash on a cocaine deal. They fire up their bikes and head out on a drug-fueled run to Mardi Gras. Along the way, they encounter every crack in the country's social fabric left in the wake of the 60s. Easy Rider features Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Jack Nicholson. But the real star? The real star is Captain America. That's the name of Fonda's chopper, which started life as a 1952 police issue Harley Hydroglide. For the film, it's all chopped and chromed. It sports high-reaching handlebars known as ape hangers, an extended front end, a towering backrest sissy bar, and a gas tank emblazoned with the stars and stripes. Captain America makes a lasting impression. The image of Fonda and Hopper heading down the highway astride their Harleys is absolutely unforgettable, and it resonates with the youth demographic. Outlaw bikers have been chopping their Harleys for years. It's a practice that disgusts the suits in Milwaukee. But Easy Rider sparks a whole new wave of customizing as chop shops pop up nationwide. At the 1970 Los Angeles County Fair, in between the booths demonstrating blenders and kitchen gadgets, there's a kiosk where a long-haired hippie is selling posters. A 12-year-old boy wanders up, gazing wide-eyed at the display. How you doing, kid? See anything you like? Yeah, that poster's cool. He points at the big blow-up of Fonda riding Captain America. Oh yeah, easy rider. You seen the movie? This kid is far too young to get into the R-rated film. Yeah, I snuck in. That chopper's boss. That's a Harley, kid. And the poster's a buck fifty. The kid sticks his hands in his pockets and starts to walk away. He doesn't have any money. The hippie calls him back over. He rolls up the poster and snaps a rubber band around it and hands it over. Here you go, man. Wow, thanks. The kid runs over to his dad. Look at this. 
Isn't that from that hippie drug movie? That's not going up in my house, mister. Say, you haven't seen that thing, have you? Uh, No way. The movie does what Harley-Davidson has been unable and unwilling to do for their own machines. To the greater mainstream audience, it finally makes them cool. More films follow with the Milwaukee machines front and center. On Any Sunday hit screens in 1971, and it features Harley's, too. Whether it's the spectacle of professional racing or the joy of a ride in the open country, we found the sport of motorcycling something very special. Starring bike enthusiast actor Steve McQueen, it's the consummate documentary on all forms of motorcycle racing. It even gets an Oscar nomination for Best Documentary. The 1973 film Electra Glide in Blue is literally named after a Harley model favored by police. It stars Robert Blake as an Arizona motorcycle cop who rides one and goes from harassing hippies and using the Easy Rider poster for target practice to sympathizing with him. I hate that motorcycle they make me ride. I'm here to tell you there ain't nothing in the world I hate worse than that elephant under my ass. The 60s and 70s produce a run of dozens of biker exploitation titles. Savages from Hell, She-Devils on Wheels, Satan's Sadists, and Chrome and Hot Leather, to name a few. Most are low-budget offerings, but so what? It's all a big, fat, trendy promotion for the Harley brand. And unlike the Harley-Davidson family, AMF is smart enough to try and capitalize on the groovy new image. It's not just a Harley anymore. It's a freedom machine. Motorcycles for our highways and cities, trails and off-trails. Motorcycles for our racetracks and deserts. Freedom machines. The great American freedom machines. But none of this translates to sales that will come anywhere near the great Japanese machine. Honda is leaving tread marks all over Harley's ever-shrinking territory. Back when AMF bought the mark, Honda celebrated its one millionth American sale. By 1973, Honda's share of the U.S. market is 46%, thanks to over 1,500 dealerships nationwide. Between 1968 and 73, the company sells an astounding 626,000 bikes. In that year alone, the company makes seven new models specifically for the stateside market. The Honda bikes are far and away superior to what Harley's making. And Honda keeps pushing the positive, sunshiny vibes in its advertising. Good things definitely aren't happening at Harley. AMF is all about expansion and increased production. The new owner makes some changes. To take some of the strain off its outdated Milwaukee plant, it divides Harley manufacturing between the ancient Milwaukee facilities where engines and transmissions are made and a newly converted factory in York, Pennsylvania where frames are created and the bikes are assembled. It's not a good idea. 
The 700-mile separation between the locations creates transportation issues. And the fact that AMF is calling most of the major shots from its headquarters in White Plains, New York, doesn't help. FaceTime with the bosses is a thing of the past. Meanwhile, to try to capitalize on the bump Hardy is getting from film exposure, AMF orders a staggering 60,000 bikes built in the next year, tripling the workload. The Harley manufacturing plants just can't keep up. Quality control of the new cycles takes a major nosedive. The machines are barely holding together, and embarrassing scenes are taking place at dealerships around the country. Good morning, sir. Can I interest you in a new Harley? You bet. I'm looking for something big and powerful. Well, you're in the right place. How about this Electroglide? 783 pounds dripping wet, fresh from the factory, made right here in the good old USA. Hmph. I like the sound of that. She sure is a beauty. <clears throat> the fender's not supposed to fall off, is it? Uh, no, sir. Must be some kind of rare malfunction. We'll have it back on in no time. I'll tell you what. While you do that, I'm going to go down to the Honda dealer. We'll see you later. At Harley headquarters in Milwaukee, the early 70s brings changes in the family hierarchy. Chief engineer Bill Harley, son of founder William Harley, dies at age 59, ending the Harley clan's hold on the company. Another founder's son, sales manager Walter Davidson Jr., retires. When he took the job right after the war, Harley had more than 1,000 dealerships. By 1971, that number has dwindled to around 600. And in 1973, President William H. Davidson, who has guided the company 45 years, also retires. But as the old guard steps down, a third-generation son rises. William G. Davidson, soon to be known as Willie G., is going to bring an entirely new attitude to the company. After graduating from Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, he starts at Harley in 1963 as director of styling. He's clean-cut, he wears suits, has short hair and horn-rimmed glasses. Part of his workload includes overseeing design of golf carts and motor scooters. William G. Davidson appears to be yet another faceless family traditionalist. But by the early 70s, he's anything but. The style chief has plans for Harley, and he's redesigned himself as Willie G. He's promoted to Vice President of Styling for all Harley-Davidson bikes. By now, he's wearing denim, long hair, and a beard. To complete the look, he wears aviator glasses. He's the only one at the Milwaukee offices who has any sense of how Harley might fit in with this new generation. He genuinely loves to ride and mixes regularly with Harley fanatics of all stripes at swap meets, bike runs, and rallies at Sturgis and Daytona Beach. He's a born schmoozer, and he becomes beloved by everybody. In school in California, Willie G. was exposed to the chopping culture. Unlike his dad, he doesn't see it as a sacrilege or an insult to Harley. He sees it as an art form. By the time he's calling the shots, well, he's ready to do what would have been unthinkable to his father and grandfather. Willie G. wants to incorporate his ideas to push Harley in a whole new direction. 
takes one of his designers on a ride into the rolling Wisconsin countryside. They stop under some trees. It's beautiful out here, Willie. Yeah, glad we made the ride. I want to talk about some ideas. What's on your mind? Customizing, man. It's huge these days. I go to rallies and barely see a stock Harley anymore. You know, I think it's high time we took advantage of that and give the people what they want. I hear you, but we can't cater exclusively to the one percenters. No, we, we can't, but there's got to be a middle ground where we can reach younger riders with a new design. Hey, you got something to ride on? He hands Willie a brown paper bag. Willie starts jotting down ideas. Let's see now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking we take an electric glide frame and engine and maybe the front end of a Sportster, a Fat Bob gas tank, extend the front forks a little. Wow. Now that's interesting. What about the paint job? Red, white, and blue, baby. Red, white, and blue. It's the birth of Willie G's FX Superglide. The bike is a hybrid of Harley's venerable cruiser hog, still the company's bread and butter, and the middleweight Sportster. This radical crossover machine debuts in 1971. It's risky, but the risk pays off. The bike is well received. The Superglide not only keeps Harley in the game, but it raises Willie G's profile as a revolutionary designer. And Harley-Davidson is going to get another major profile boost it couldn't have imagined. Not from Hollywood, but from an outrageous, unlikely American hero. He dresses like a Vegas pimp and boasts like a shameless showman. For the last few years, the professional daredevil has been taking insane risks, sailing Hondas and Triumphs over pits of rattlesnakes and rows of cars, trucks, and buses. Not always successfully. He's broken almost every bone in his body, but he always gets back on the bike and rides. And now, he's getting on a Harley. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov.
1971 at the Ontario Motor Speedway in California. The place is packed. Evil Knievel is revving his 300-pound Harley-Davidson XR750. He's in his trademark white leather jumpsuit with stars emblazoned across his chest. He likes the Elvis look. He stares down the ramp that will launch him, hopefully, over 19 cars. As the crowd waits anxiously for success or bone-shattering carnage, Knievel opens the throttle, surges forward, hitting 70, 80, 90 miles per hour, and sails some 20 feet into the air. And it's all over in a matter of seconds. Knievel lands perfect. The crowd goes nuts. He skids the growling Harley to a stop, yanks off his helmet, and lifts his arms to the sky as the worshippers rush towards him. The jump is a world record that will stand for 27 years. Three months later, Knievel powers the Harley over 13 Pepsi trucks and crash lands. He breaks his collarbone and suffers multiple arm and leg fractures. But a man's got to do what a man's got to do, as Evil reflects a short time later. I wanted to get on the motorcycle and go against death. I was a life risker. I was not outside of the arena looking in. I was in the arena. To be like, like a, a life risker or a, or a gladiator of old times, that's what made my life worthwhile at that time. I made a statement at my last jump in Ohio that a uh, motorcycle doesn't have wings, and a man who's supposed to be a professional ought to realize when he's jumped far enough. He'll keep defying death on Harley XR 750s till the end of the decade. But Knievel's spotlight patronage and Willie G's advanced design don't even make a dent in the onslaught from Japan, most notably Honda. While Harley sales are flatlining, Honda is selling millions of bikes. This is not just sucking the life out of Harley, but it's virtually obliterating the British imports. Triumph, once the biggest threat to Harley's kingdom, will go bankrupt in 1983. By the end of the 70s, Harley is yet again in deep financial trouble, and AMF hasn't gotten the hoped-for return on its $21.6 million investment. The conglomerate is looking to cut its losses and dump Harley. There's talk that AMF will sell to the highest bidder, and that could mean the unthinkable. The highest bidder might be Honda. At headquarters in Milwaukee, CEO Vaughn Beals summons Willie G and 12 faithful Harley executives for an 11th hour meeting. Beals is one of Willie's most trusted men. He's a true believer who has a plan for resurrection. Gentlemen, this is simple. AMF is done with Harley Davidson. If we want to have any hope for survival, we need to buy the company back. Our company. All eyes look to Willie G. Vaughn is right. I hope you're all with us, but I'll be the first to admit leveraging a move like this is not without some big risks. It's scary. Beals asks that each man dip into his own wallet to contribute to the cause. It's not going to be cheap to make this happen. I know this could put people in a tough spot. There are no guarantees and we have to think of our families. It's an emotional moment for everyone in the room. This goes deeper than just business for these men. Many of them have devoted their entire careers to Harley-Davidson. Willie G is almost tearing up. 
I truly believe we can pull this off. I believe we can keep Harley going. But you guys think it over. I'll respect whatever you decide. It's a Hail Mary proposition based on a singular belief. Despite the monstrous power of the Japanese invaders, there's still a significant market for what Harley-Davidson is selling. And not just what they're selling, but the all-American spirit the brand has stood for since 1903. The Harley-Davidson mojo is at stake. A decision is made. Willie G and the 12 Harley Disciples put up between $75,000 and $100,000 of their own cash each. In 1981, with a combined investment and a bank loan, they buy Harley-Davidson from AMF for $80 million. The company announces a new pledge that dates back to its original ideal. Motorcycles for the people, by the people. It's a good thing the new owners have faith. (laughs) They're going to need it. By 1980, the country is entering an economic recession. The bike market drops. Every brand is hit hard. Hundreds of thousands of Honda and other Japanese brands are going for less than 50% below retail. Honda can weather the crisis. Their highest-priced bikes top out at around $3,500. At half price, it's an amazing deal for consumers, and the bikes keep selling. But Harleys range from $4,500 to $7,000, and now they're gathering dust at dealerships nationwide. The company's share of the big cruiser market, the one Harley always owned, has dwindled to 30%. But the company has a savior, and he's about to move to a house in Washington, D.C. President Carter, told by his pollster Pat Cadell that it is all over, reportedly is preparing to concede defeat to Ronald Reagan in the 1980 presidential election. After decades of Hells Angels and druggies and outlaws aligning themselves with Harley-Davidson, the company is about to get unsolicited attention from someone who is the polar opposite, President Ronald Reagan. On the next episode, in an unprecedented move, Reagan steps in with all his political muscle to fight for the Harley cause against the Japanese. The company lives on to move toward a brighter future, but not one without alarming twists. It's a path that leads to a president with an entirely different take on the Milwaukee legend. Donald Trump. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We certainly hope you enjoyed this episode. Can't get enough of Business Wars? Well, scroll on over to Business Wars Daily. We'll keep you up to date on the most compelling competitions in commerce today, all in the time it takes to, well, check your tires and top off your gas tank. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've heard, it would be awesome if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it. There's another way you can support us. Go over to wondery.com survey and answer a couple of questions. Don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. We should say something about the conversations in today's episode. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Peter Gilstrap wrote this story. 
Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer-Beckman. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering. Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily, the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow celeb news fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, join us on Rich and Daily. Because we don't just listen to the rumor mill. We give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music. Or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.